Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. There is no one else that could do what Jesus does with the lives of men and women. Now, just like in the days of the Apostle Paul when he was writing, a lot of people said, yeah, it's Christ, but it's more than just Christ. Yeah, in Christ we're saved, but not Christ alone is what some people were saying. In fact, there, were, there was a whole group of people, and Paul said, no, 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 you've got to add to it, man. Yes, yes, Christ, but you also got to be keeping all these rules, the law. That's part of, of salvation. And, and it began to confuse brand new believers in Jesus. Is Paul right or is Paul wrong? Is, does, is there really more to salvation than Christ? And, Christ? and Paul proclaimed, as we proclaim here, salvation alone through faith alone, alone in Christ alone. Nothing, plus or minus nothing. And the reason that we proclaim that so boldly here a temple is because we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith I mean that is the gospel message is the righteousness of God from faith to faith in other words you don't start with faith and then add something no, it's faith unto faith. You get saved by faith and you stay saved by faith. It's not about what you do for God. It's all about what God has done for us. And salvation only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saving faith connects us to Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says over in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, I think, verse 23, that until we entered into this relationship with Christ, we were, we were like prisoners because we were under this law. And this prison was, was telling us that we had to work for it. Just you got you to do, you got to do, you got to do. And hopefully you will gain God's acceptance. And what they soon discovered is that rules will never set you free. In fact, it's only a sentence to prison. You know, during World War II, Outside of the concentration camps, they, they'd have that German slogan translated, work makes you free. And some people believe that if I just work and work, I'll set myself free from prison. But see, Christ came and everything changed because Christ came to set us free from the prison that we wouldn't have to try to keep obeying and obeying and try to make it out of this prison no rules will never set us free the apostle paul says it actually will only make you a prisoner a captive see the bible makes it very clear that none of us can meet god's standard and the law was given to prove to us that we couldn't keep a standard and the law was given to us to keep pointing us that we needed somebody that was greater than the law and the gospel the message is that christ died for the lost the gospel means good news and for it to be good news by the way it has to invade some very bad spaces this is a very broken world and if there ever was a day that broken people need some good news it's september of 2019 
You Look, you turn on your television, watch the morning news, watch the evening news, read the newspaper, read a magazine, read a blog, and it can be so downright depressing. Mass shootings, wars, genocide, suicide, bankruptcies, divorce, addiction. The list goes on and on and on and on. And so what people try to do, they go to their local bookstore and pull out all the self-help books, thinking that they can make a better version of themselves, then they'll be set free. Or some people put all the expectation on someone else that that will satisfy them. All these declarations ever do is say, well, I don't need God when we try those things. And by the way, gospel is not a one-time event where we need less of it in our life. We never, we never stop needing the grace of God. We never outgrow that. Now, knowing that the gospel is at the core of the church, I sometimes find it very hard to understand how is it possible that someone could grow up in the church? I mean, go to those children's programs, be part of day camp ministries, or, or be involved in teen ministries all of their life, and then say to me, I never heard the gospel. How, how is that even possible? And as I begin sometimes to hear people's stories, they say, this is what I heard. I heard you don't drink, you don't go to parties, you don't watch R-rated movies, you don't listen to this kind of music, you don't do this, you don't go there, you don't go here, you don't do this. It was all about behavior. And so then I begin to understand why 30-somethings and 20-somethings say to me, I tried that. I tried Jesus. It didn't work for me. And that's when I realized, no, no, you never tried Jesus. You tried being good. And the Bible says we stink at being good. In fact, when we get good at being good, we become quite annoying and self-righteous. So even trying to be good ends badly. So that is why we spend our time and all of our energies and everything we do around here to orient us as a family over and over and over again around the gospel. Because if our foundation is not solid, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how beautiful the house is, if the foundation is broken. If your foundation is broken, your walls begin to crack and the ceiling begins to fall in. And the house becomes unusable. So it becomes imperative that we anchor ourselves to what is true and what is right in the gospel and that we don't drift away from that. And, you know, and I know there, there are thousands of questions that people have about the Bible. There's the question of, well, what kind of tree did Adam and Eve eat from? Was it a tree that produced red delicious apples? Was it a mango tree? Maybe it was a pear tree. Or, you know, people say, well, what kind of whale was it that, you know, swallowed Jonah? Or, and those dinosaurs, where are they at today? What I know is that I need to have a better understanding of not just where the dinosaurs went, but what the gospel is. Some will say, well, what about the return of Christ? I say, yes, he's coming, and it's closer today than it was yesterday. 
But I know that there's certainly lots of people with different biblical backgrounds, some scholars who have certainly different ideas about the different pieces of Christ's return. I certainly have my own thoughts on it. But I think more than knowing that is there's a need to know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. I think all studies should point us to the gospel, which is what we desperately need in our lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ and religion, they have nothing in common. See, the religion mantra says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. If I do this, then I do this, then God will do this, then God will do that. If I do what is right and avoid what is wrong, God will bless me. But honestly, the gospel is completely different. At the center of Christianity is the stained cross. At the center of our faith is Jesus going to the cross and having the wrath of God poured on him in place of us. See, the mantra of religion, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The mantra of the gospel is I'm accepted, therefore I obey completely different see in religion we go to god to get things if i do this i'll get that if i go here i'll get this and god will do that in the gospel we obey so we can be transformed into his image we don't go to god to get things from god we go to god to get god in our lives that is the gospel and we say it's the most important thing around here we say unless a person enters into a relationship with jesus unless they trust him with their savior as their savior unless they recognize their need of the cross that jesus bled and died on we say that's a necessity for them to spend eternity in christ so if that be true if that is absolutely true it is no wonder we spend all of our energy and all of our passion to tell people the good news and sometimes i get confused by people who will say, who one person said one time to me, don't you think we're big enough? It's time to look after ourselves. I go, well, there's people that don't know Jesus. Why would we ever shut a door to that? We have the good news. Sometimes I get mixed messages when someone says, well, you know, it's, um, if we, when we go in certain parts of town, it gets, the church gets a little messy. And I go, yes, and by the way, you and I are part of a mess that God redeemed. He came to redeem the mess. If you all have your Bibles open there in 1 Timothy, all you have to do is look at 1 Timothy verse 9. It tells us the mess that God came for, that Jesus died for. It says, for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and kill their mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for what else? Ever else is contrary. That's who Christ came for. And, and we were part of the messed up list. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 13, I myself was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a murderer. I was a very violent man. That's the Apostle Paul talking. He says, I, I was ignorant in what I was even doing. And that's why he said, but the grace of God was poured on me and my life is nothing like it was once. 
That's why he goes on to say, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he adds on there, up to whom, of whom I am the worst. I don't know if you've met people like this. I've certainly, I have, I have encountered many people who have said to me, Donald, if you actually really knew though what I've done, you would know God couldn't deal with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm beyond help. And you talk to someone else, Donald, like, my, I, I, I messed up. I'm beyond help, which I love to point them to this verse because it says, actually, no, I know the chief. <laughs> I know the worst of the worst of the worst. And God poured out his grace on him and his life was transformed. Never beyond, never too messy for God to transform our life. See, our mission as a church for 82 years has been to reach people who are far far from God there this is good news that needs to be shared in every corner of our city in every corner of a household in every office cubicle in every school hallway and every hospital room like this is the good news and I would have to say if that's not what you want to be part of you're going to find it quite challenging to be a part of as we move forward as, as a church because we are about connecting people to Jesus. Now, I personally am a really big believer in relational evangelism where you get to know people, where you get to build in their lives as friendships are developed and, and then you get opportunities just to share your story. This is what, what, like what God has done in your life big believer of that and so as i was thinking about that we talk about connecting people to jesus stats say and they have never changed over the years you can study this 10 years ago you can study it 50 years ago i studied it 100 years ago stats will say most christians will never ever lead someone to jesus it'll, it'll just it just doesn't happen the vast majority it will, it will never happen yet we say that's what we're all about connecting people to Jesus. So I thought what I would do this morning to try to make it simple for you, you know, when you're in conversations with people, that you could just write these things on a napkin, make it that easy as you share what Christ has done for you. Maybe you could have those follow-up questions. Hey, I just told you my story. Has anyone ever told you? Has anyone ever talked to you about how you can be sure? you're going to heaven. Because most people are not sure. <laughs> most people aren't. And you may say, hey, do you give me permission to just to share with you from the Bible how you can know? And maybe they'll say no, I'm not interested. You go, okay, great. You think to yourself, maybe there'll it be, be another time. Or maybe they might say, you know, no, actually no one has ever done that. No one's ever shared that with me before. And all of a sudden the door just opens a little. Because there is no greater question to answer than where will you go when you die? Many of you guys know Mike Gardner, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs hockey player. Uh, he and I went to the same church when I was in, when he used to play for Washington Caps. And uh, I, I remember him um, sharing his story. In fact, he came to the seminary that I was at and he was sharing his story. And 
He said, I was on a plane. I was brand new to the team of the Washington Caps. I was, and the guy next to me, who I was told, by the way, he said, when I joined the team, stay away from that guy. He's one of those Christians. And he said, I'm on, I, I've been just with the team and we're on a plane and sure enough, our seats are side by side. And he asked me this very uncomfortable question. When we're 30,000 feet up in the air, he said, Mike, if this plane goes down, where are you going? He said, I didn't like that question. <laughs> he says, I don't know. And I remember Mike saying, that guy just very clearly just shared the gospel with him. And he said, my life was changed in that plane. Answering the question, basically, where am I going if I die? We call it good news, the gospel. But it really is only good news if we understand the bad news. It's the bad news that leads us to the good news. And so maybe when you're in, interacting and you're, you have this opportunity to share, we, we, you know, a lot of you would know this, but some of it, maybe it's all new, just this, we call it the Romans Road. Just sharing a few verses from the Bible that explains our condition. And so as we tell people, you know, the fact is we just have a problem. It's like, it's like God's way over here, and there's this gulf between us and, and man's way over here, and there's this problem. Because man can't, every time he tries to get to God, he, he just trips over himself. And there's this huge gulf. The problem is, it's because of sin. Sin keeps us from reaching God. This is when you can just pull out your Bible or memorize verses like this. In fact, Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous. No, not one. It's not like you're a bad guy. We're all, we're all in the same boat. That's what you share with your friends. I'm no different. Because the Bible makes it plain, there is none righteous. In other words, we're just all sinners. I mean, it's true, as you're talking to your friend, they may, they may be better than a family member. They may be better than one of their colleagues at work. They may be better than their neighbors. But the thing is, that's not the standard. God is the standard, and the standard is perfection. You see, some people think they're going to heaven because they've reached a certain standard, because, but they're comparing to something that's not God. See, God is the standard. So we can't solve the problem. Perfection does not allow exceptions. So we have this problem that we cannot fix. And this problem, which is sin, has a pay scale. This is as you're talking to people. In fact, that's when you can take your Bible and turn over to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. True, the penalty is death. That's the reason we're going to die, is because of their sin. All are sinners. And all of us are going to have to pay that price of death. And what is death? Well, death is just simple as separation. There's the physical death, of course. The soul separated from the body. But then the Bible talks about a second death. A spiritual death. Where the soul is separated from God. We call it hell. And death is the payment for sin, the consequences for our reality. As you're sharing with your friend, I mean, that's bad news. Right? 
And that's for all of us because we're all sinners. And most things that you and I hate, let's be honest, the most of the things that you and I hate is because of sin. Maybe something we've done, maybe what someone else has done. We hate it because we know there's consequences to it. But the gospel, that's the good news. And the fact is, if the bad news isn't that bad, then you don't really need that great of news. But it's bad. The situation is bad because there's nothing we can do about it. So, we have a problem. And the problem has a penalty. So God made a provision. Simple three Ps. We have a problem. The problem creates a penalty. So we need a provision. And the sin was addressed by Christ's death. Back into Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, he went ahead and died for us. Why we were still sinners, not when we cleaned ourselves all up. He died for us. Eternal God providing eternal provision. God's demands are met at Jesus' death. Judgment for me was passed on to Jesus. My debt has been paid. Why Jesus, Donald? I mean, there's no other way. Why Jesus? I say that because the one who paid the debt could not have a debt of his own to pay. I needed a perfect substitute, and there is only one that is perfect, and that is God. And God can't die, well, unless he becomes a man. And so God put on the jacket of humanity and zipped it up. And he came to earth as a baby and he died on the cross. A cruel death for you and for me. See, that's the good news. It's a bill that we could not pay on our own. Now, I know if you and I were to go home today or tomorrow and open up our mailboxes and there was a letter that said, hey, good news, someone has just paid off your mortgage, you would be hollering and shouting and woohoo. You'd be proclaiming that all over through the neighborhood. Well, I'm telling you, there's a news even greater. Your debt has been paid. The debt of sin. God offers eternal life for those who trust in Jesus. And as you're talking to your friends, you can just say, you know, in fact, Romans 10, 9 says that if you would just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. At our core, we are all about connecting people to Jesus. This is what we are all about. This is our DNA. And it has always been our DNA since the very first tent meeting that happened downtown in 1937. There's nothing new for us. It is who we are. And it's who we have been since the doors opened 82 years ago. That is who we are at our core. And that is why we invest and we spend thousands of dollars in reaching this brand new generation of kids who are coming up. Because we believe it's the most important thing every child needs to know, that God loves them and to be able to connect them. That's why we spend thousands of dollars in, in teen ministry, because we want teenagers to know that God loves them and that he has a deep desire to be connected with them. You know, our children's ministry, in fact, they've been looking for some extra 
volunteers to help impact and influence uh, our kids. And I want to let you know that uh, I, like, I believe this is the core. I, you know, I pledge allegiance to it all. Uh, we have, I would say, probably the best children's director in all of Canada <laughs> right here at our church and passionate about reaching kids and have an impact. And I just want to say, you, you can have an impact like that on a new generation. And sometimes you don't even know. And I'll give you an example. Last weekend, last weekend, I had someone visit my home who I haven't seen in years and years. Someone I met 30 years ago in Virginia. It was a teen that I had had as a, when I was a youth pastor there. And he came to my home last week with his wife and his children. And he said to me, you know what you said to me 30 years ago? I had a profound impact on my life. I'm not the same man I was because of what you built into my life. And I just want to tell you, sometimes we don't even see the years later, but that's the kind of influence you can have as you're part of this new generation rising. You get to influence them and impact them in ways that you never thought possible as you help them connect people to Jesus. That is who we are. That's, our, that's the mission of our church. I see Luke Deschamps here. I, I was just thinking about him uh, this summer. He was part of our core staff. And on his very last week, he was more in the administrative side. He didn't get the chance to interact with kids like he normally did all summer. And he said to us, he said, you know, I pray that I would have an opportunity to talk to somebody. But he says, I realize I'm not interacting with the kids this week. I'm, I'm just doing the administrative side. But he said, I desperately would love to talk to somebody. And I love when he tells the story. And then God orchestrates where he gets to talk to somebody and then leads that person to the Lord and all that. Because that's what we're all about. We're all about connecting people to Jesus. That's who we are as a church. That's our mission. At our very core, it's about connecting people to Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.